So the ancestral guardian barbarian. When I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Did you say ancestral? Yes, I believe this barbarian has a thing for his sister. <laughs> did, did I really say ancestral? Incestual barbarian. That's what Kevin's uh, currently building. Ancestral. Am I talking fast? Oni Chan. <laughs> doing that thing again. No etchy. <laughs> Just got to enunciate. Ancestral. Ancestral. Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your weekly Dungeons and Dragons fix between your play sessions. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornigal. And I'm Will Melden. And we'll be hanging out with you for the next hour to discuss anything and everything Dungeons and Dragons related. This is episode number three. We'll be taking a look at the Rogue Barbarian and then digging into the Yoklo demon from the Monster Manual. So take a seat and stick around. I still think we need to use that song. I love that song. That we always fight to. Yeah. yeah. It's so bad. What the fuck is she saying? <laughs> All right. So I'd like to start off today with the usual. Some first impressions. Uh, as Kevin mentioned in our intro, I'm personally not too excited by this Rogue Barbarian synergy, it doesn't sound like it's going to work out great. Uh, Kevin's going to completely own me, though. So give some first impressions, Kevin. Why are you excited? So initially, I was on the same page as you. I thought strength and dex and sneaky and getting a sneak attack and sneak attack can't work with strength weapons and stuff like that. But I think you can make some really cool characters and pull off some cool combos. I'm not saying this is an optimized character thing. We never go for optimization. Just cool character concepts with some unique combinations, which I could dig into now. But, well, what, what's your first thoughts, you guys? Well, as the uh, less intellectual and more handsome member of the group, <laughs> I generally like to stick to RP. Uh, D&D to me is not numbers. It's not trying hard. It's uh, just having fun. And quite frankly, this flavor doesn't do much for me. They're, the problem is whenever I think of a barbarian and a rogue, I think of two almost polar opposite buddies who are just, they approach everything differently, but they're the best of friends and they make a great addition to the adventuring party. So what you're now saying... Now you want to smash them together and ruin both their uh, unique flavors. So what you're saying is this needs to be somebody who has a split personality. Uh, no, I think both classes are too dumb to actually justify a split personality. <laughs> so it's just going to be a forced personality in my personal non-mechanical opinion. Okay, well, with that, uh, Kevin, seeing as you have so much pent-up discussion in your heart, <laughs> just go ahead, take us it away. Well, it's not much. I have, like, two ideas, but... <laughs> this was a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hear at least one of them. So, with the... I, I understand how these seem like polar opposites. How can this work? I, I really love the idea of the character who comes off as the typical barbarian, making, like, a half-orc... They're a big, dumb brute with a two-handed weapon. But then they have this underhanded, sneaky side to them that they keep hidden. That they could t pull out whenever they need. Um, and then especially with, like, Barbarian, by level 5, you get two attacks. So you could do shit like surprise dagger to the kidneys. So, I mean, you get a big... <laughs> <laughs> that usually does hurt. Yes. No, exactly. So you, you have uh, Orc Barbarian... It has a maul or a great sword charging at somebody. They take a big whack out of them with that weapon. And then they pull out a dagger from somewhere. It's easy enough to have a dagger anywhere on your body. They would probably have a whole bunch of them because they're going to be strong. Because they're a barbarian. And then that dagger all of a sudden, out of nowhere, shanks them in the side. And that triggers sneak attack. Yeah, but can you do that as your second attack, your extra attack? I don't see why not. I don't think it says anything about switching weapons or not. I know there's the whole thing about dropping weapons, but so all right, so you have two-handed weapon. You let go with one hand, and that weapon, so you still have control over it. And then you have the other hand to just quickly pull out a dagger and boom. And that's a finesse weapon. And as we talked about previously, sneak attack has to be a finesse weapon, but it doesn't have to be using dex. So finesse allows you to use dex or strength. Right. True. So a short sword, a rapier, a dagger, what have you. 
it, they're all finesse and will trigger sneak attack, but you can still utilize your strength Ooh. to hit them. Kevin is coming in with this. Yeah. Because now that I think about it, barbarians don't dump decks anyways. Right. No. So anything you might need as a rogue with decks, you've already got, and you can attack with your main status strength. That's pretty good. Yeah. And mechanically speaking, switching your weapons for your second attack does not work out in your favor unless you've got a sneak attack behind it. And it's also just like a dagger. I think big, dumb, a big, strong. Their intelligence doesn't really matter to their ability to hold daggers. A big, strong barbarian. You can have like six daggers on them at any point in time. Easily accessible. Daggers are also able to be thrown, which yeah. could be good if you just can't make that, uh, make it out far enough. Right. And instead of relying on javelins like barbarians normally do, you can get that thrown dagger, yeah. which could be kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, and then if you, um, when you stand with the dagger, you don't need to worry about resheathing that or anything because it's just a dagger. Yeah, just, just leave, leave it. it in them. Let go of it. And From a tactical yeah. perspective, removing the dagger is usually your best bet. Uh, the blood flow is usually impeded by the bladed weapon. Thank you, Will. That's D and D is not a physics simulator. This is more of a medical simulator kind of thing <laughs> that I'm going for. <laughs> this is for anyone who dreams of one day stabbing someone in real life. Just remember, pull it out or they'll probably stay alive. Okay. And then you have Reckless Attack, which you get it's just like level 2 Barbarian, maybe even level 1. Yeah, level 2. So on the beginning of your turn, you could choose to attack recklessly and give yourself advantage. The drawback is, is that any attack on you has advantage, but a rogue attacking with advantage automatically gets sneak attack. And so, disengages a bonus action. Exactly. Yep. A barbarian with cunning action is some scary, scary shit. Damn, that's a very mobile barbarian. Yes. And to take it even further, you need, um, I think, barbarian five, rogue, just rogue two for cunning action. And to do the ancestral guardian barbarian, I came up with this whole little cool combo. So the ancestral guardian barbarian. When I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you say ancestral? Yes, I believe this barbarian has a thing for his sister. Did I really say ancestral? Incestual barbarian. That's what Kevin's uh, currently building. Ancestral. Am I talking fast? Oni Chan. <laughs> doing that thing again? No, etchy. <laughs> Just got to enunciate. Ancestral. Ancestral. Ancestral barbarian. The uh, when they first go that route, I think at level three, when they're raging, the first attack of a turn will send their like ancestral spirits on whatever they attack. And then that hampers that target. So then for the rest of that turn, that creature will have disadvantage on anybody it attacks except for the barbarian. And if it manages to hit someone else, that person has resistance to any damage they cause. So that really, really benefits you to just get out of there. Exactly. And make so, it kind of their only option yeah. unless they want to invoke an opportunity so attack. So you recklessly attack... You know, two-handed weapon, slash the shit out of them, surprise dagger to the kidneys, um, get sneak attack off of it, disengages the bonus action, and because barbarians also move faster by level five, you could probably run back 40 feet, and there's a really good chance whatever you just did that to, who now really needs to attack you, otherwise they're kind of gimped, can't reach you. Most monsters seem to cap at 30. Obviously, that's not always the case, and there's always ways around it, but... I think it's a really cool combo. Yeah, and not to min-max this one too much, it might even be good to hold if you roll high in the initiative order and let one of your other melee combatants get up close, where then once they're up close, you charge in, do that sneak attack combo, and then get out of there. Uh, so that way, they now have to provoke an opportunity attack to run towards you. Yeah, absolutely. Unless they want to disengage, which means they're not going to take any attack that turn. Right. Unless they're a rogue barbarian. <laughs> Unless they're also a rogue bar barbarian, uh, which there's not going to be very many of. So mechanically speaking, we've got a solid base, but let's talk about RP. I mean, why would a rogue barbarian also have this uh, ancestral obsession? So when it comes to that with rogues, especially rogues, there's not really a lot of detail given about why are they a rogue? What's the source of their power? They're just sneaky. They have some martial prowess through just standard training. It's on the same level as a fighter. They're not. It's not like all fighters have been trained in a gladiatorial arena or soldiers. They're just they have martial prowess. They train up to it. 
Rogue's the same way. So you can really mix that with anything. You have the classic barbarian out in a tribe that honors their ancestors a lot. And this particular one seems to have a little more dexterous than the rest and just has some additional skills that they decide to train up. But we're also talking sneakiness. Um, not necessarily. Don't, don't what do you to, mean not necessarily? The main class feature is sneak attack. A, uh, which doesn't, that was a misnomer. B, I would argue that no, a tribal barbarian is never going to acquire the skills a rogue really needs. Any, any even casual glance at a rogue, you really got to force it to have somebody who did not grow up in the city end up as a rogue. The more realistic thing is a barbarian type who did end up kind of in the criminal underworld. Someone who, and this is going back to anime archetypes. Ooh, my favorite. The huge buff guy who's uh, quicker than he looks. Oh. That's a good archetype. It is, especially once he takes off his uh, entire vest of daggers. He'll be so much quicker. It's like, nobody sees it coming. (laughs) It's like, oh, what's that guy? He's just a big, dumb brute. But no, he's actually the boss. And that little guy you were talking to, just a front. And when you go to attack him because you think you're so fast, he's like, nope. That's perfect. Okay. In so anime D&D. In anime D&D, yes. So that's one way. We've got a barbarian who enters into the uh, seedy underbelly of a city, let's say, something along those lines, a thief's killed. Uh, can we think of it a way that it works the other way, where they're a rogue and then become a barbarian? So depending on the subclass you choose for barbarian, a lot of them are very much flavored to that kind of... Uh, Almost shamanistic feeling. Totem warrior, ancestral guardian, storm herald barbarian. Right. Zealot. Um, so zealot's a little unique, but we'll put a pit in that. The frenzy one, um, or berserk. I don't remember berserk, the yeah. exact name. That that really does not have any tie back to like tribal shamanistic life or anything like that. They just rage and go fucking nuts. Unfortunately, so... that subclass is not the greatest. No, it's definitely not. Uh, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, though. It could just be a rogue with a temper. Yeah. Hey, that's fine. Uh, what do they get? They can enter into a frenzy where they can make a melee attack as a bonus action. And, mm. wow, when they end their rage, they suffer one level of exhaustion. That again. was always the downfall of that particular class. Yeah. It's like the benefit you get is great. The bonus action attack while raging the penalty to it is too much. Way too much. I would argue that it can fit into a campaign if you're not min-maxing. It's like, we've got this absolute monster of a berserker on our team, and he can go ham, but he's not very useful afterwards. I'm sorry, Master. Especially after the second one. I'm sorry, Master. I have to go all out just this once. (laughs) That's basically what we have with that. And he's he's going to get exhaustion, of course. As you said, after the second one, it's going to be really, really debilitating. Uh, I mean, how many rages do they even get? So, I mean, <laughs> if they're raging six times, that could outright kill them. <laughs> Is there a capstone that's like, hey, you can't kill yourself by getting too mad? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Man, literally too angry yeah, to Yeah, they get mindless rage. They can't be charmed or frightened. Intimidating presence, they could... Frighten people while raging. That's actually funny because at 20th level they get unlimited rages, but they don't get unlimited ignore exhaustions. I haven't really thought about that one too much, but that's kind of a terrible subclass. You don't have to go into ultra rage, though. It's It's what you have to keep in mind. It's a choice. Oh, oh, that's just the frenzy's like rage plus? Yes. Okay. Well, and that's it a little bit more reasonable. turns you into the only thing able to hit more than a fighter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously going to be a... As much as a fighter. Doesn't fighter get up to four attacks by 17th level? And then barbarian gets three, and then don't you get an extra they with get... the relentless... I thought the... they only get two. They only get two. They or only you get, get two. three, yeah. Yeah, and then the bonus action brings it up to three. That's it? Yeah, fighters are kind of insane in that sense. They just get them brutal criticals. And mm-hmm. huge damage bonuses with their rage. Right, it's... I mean, it's it's just plus two flat out with rage, right? Is it? We should at least know the basics behind rage, guys. The damage? Yeah, doesn't it goes up based on go flip over to the table. Rage, rage damage, damage by level. Yeah, 
Oh, hey. Okay, so at ninth level, it goes up to three. I mean, it's really not that much. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, obviously, over the, the course of a campaign, every rage hit's going to be great. But it only goes up to plus four max. Right. Uh, still, still worthwhile, and it's good that it adds something. Uh, so, Ancestral Guardian, that looks pretty good. Uh, what other Barbarian classes are we thinking? So, How about Zealot? You said put a pin in that. Uh, just, this isn't really a multi-class discussion, just the, the Zealot is kind of, to me, interesting. It's sort of a standout and from an RP perspective of the Barbarian, where the rest of them, either you have the Berserk Frenzy one, yeah, Path of the Berserker. Which is kind of just an inner thing that could be from whatever. Then you have a bunch of stuff that lead back to a tribal shamanistic life. And then you have the Zealot. Which just fits a little oddly, I think. Um, like, you could have, like, a religious Zealot barbarian. Like, it's a barbarian to, like, the god of Bahamut. Or I'm drawing a blank on other ones. and Tons of other ones. Doesn't yeah. matter. Probably not Bahamut. Well, no, I say that's dragons. But, but uh, Path of the Storm Herald's basically the same thing mm, i would Is say it? not at all even a little i would say that'd be so incorrect that it borders on just retarded you're saying that it's not also spiritual no it's about storms man no that's fine i understand that obviously the class features are entirely different i'm saying the flavor behind it you could also be worshiping a god for storm herald and your powers come from your god that's not Totally off base. Here. Well, no, it doesn't say anything about that. It's mainly uh, channeling the abilities of the harshest environments in the world. It's like a, a really mad weather enthusiast. Ooh, angry weatherman. <laughs> that's that's going to be the play here. I call this attack the low pressure zone. <laughs> Can we talk about how terrible Storm Herald is, though? I uh, no, can't, we can't because everybody says that, but the reality is that. Every single one of these things should not be a choice. They should be interchangeable. My... What do you mean? You have to choose each level. Each thing you get in this stupid class, you're like, oh, am I going to go desert? Am I going to see? Am I going to go tundra? Half of them are worthless. And none of them mesh together in a flavorful way. No. Yep, if you no. choose to min-max this stuff, it's like, it's like a gimped version of the tribal barbarian. Right, but I mean, a lot of the barbarian classes kind of fall behind the totem warrior in my opinion i mean all the other ones they're they're more flavorful than the totem warrior but at the end of the day the bear totem just kicks everything out of the water yeah and that's what i would argue the storm herald tries to follow in the path of the totem barbarian and just utterly drops the ball right i'd definitely argue that it's it's more flavorful i really like it as a, a class but mechanically it's as you said not very great I mean, being able to add an extra D6 or, what is it, 2D6 at a much higher level, at 10th level, I mean, that's just nothing. No, it's, it's, you make a lot of choices and none of them are good. Mm -hmm. Right, and I don't even like the idea of switching between them. Um, yeah, that ruins the flavor for me. Right, because usually you're going to start off by being like, I'm a barbarian of the desert. And then midway through, you're like, actually, the ability to breathe underwater sounds nice. Like, that's just immediately min-maxing. There's no flavor behind it. I mean, equal opportunity, environments, zealot. And then you're just a meteorologist. <laughs> At just... least with the totems, it's like, oh, I'm going to choose a different totem animal to pledge my allegiance to. This one's like... Uh, I like the desert. I like the sea. The tundra seems cool this time. It's like, no, you're just, you're just an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you have no loyalty to any of these extreme environments. And as a weather enthusiast myself, that's just unacceptable. <laughs> Will should have been a meteorologist, Melden. Oh, it would have been so good on TV. <laughs> and then to talk further synergy, the there, there's a... These two classes together can get very tanky. So, rogues actually, even though it's not really part of the archetype, have a surprising amount of things to help them mitigate damage between, um, uh, what's it called? You have evasion, and then, I can't remember the name of it, where you could use your reaction to take half damage. So, r right there, that helps a lot with survival. That's later in the game, right? And mid-level. Evasion's at 7, and then... Something about dodge, artful elusive? dodge. At 18? No, sure. not elusive. It's much lower than that. 
Uncanny Dodge. Uncanny Dodge. Oh. Fifth level. And then... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then Evasion at seventh level. That's where if you make a dex save, where it's like if you succeed and take half damage, and you succeed, you take no damage. And if you fail, you still take half damage. Which, of course, goes great with Danger Sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which is... Is that... You get advantage on dexterity saving throws against effects you can see. Oof. So, I mean, so that's one of those things that looks like it overlaps, but it just synergizes. Yes, very, very well. And then go uh, a barbarian, the totem thing. Yeah, barbarian. Yeah, where where you get resistance, well, raging resistance against all damage types except for psychic. And and then that that paired with uncanny dodge and evasion is a very tanky character right because it doesn't even say you get resistance to the damage type you have the attacks damage against you right i have to double check which happens first do you have it and then does it matter and then get resistance it does resistance it doesn't mathematically matter but it's like a subsequent thing you have it and then you have it again right because normally if you have <clears throat> resistance in two different ways then you just have a flat out resistance but what right? you have to it keep doesn't... in mind is any kind of damage type outside of a normal attack is probably not going to be uh split by that uh uncanny dodge so if you get like mind blasted by something you know that overcomes both of them you don't get to just be like oh shit what do you mean? I don't see anything saying that Uncanny Dodge wouldn't have If it's have that a attack. saving throw as opposed to an attack. Oh, okay. Okay, that's fair. So that's, what's a lot, uh, that's what a lot of things are going to come out to. Okay. But any kind of like a cantrip or attack rolled against you, yeah, it would be halved and then halved. All right, so making our way through, I mean, it seems like really Barbarian's got a lot of subclasses that work well. All of their main stats or main uh, class features go up pretty well how about rogue archetypes do you think any so, on that the the two of them and it's kind of the same thing as we discussed with the monk rogue with the inquisitive and mastermind there's subclasses that aren't they have a lot of out of combat utility and very flavorful and then meshing them with a barbarian can kind of up their combat utility as well and make them more viable at the cost of some multi-attribute dependence. Mm-hmm. Those two, they uh, add more to the bonus action economy. Mm-hmm. And they do generally add a minor stat requirement for true effectiveness. They're not necessarily bad, but I think you could do better. Yeah. Um, as long as you don't do Arcane Trickster. Yeah. I would, I, Never I, roll Arcane Trickster. I can't think of a reason to. All right, no. Yeah, you can't cast spells as well. No, I'd honestly <laughs> rather do a rogue wizard multi-class in like any situation. Right. Um, the assassin generally pairs well. Um, yeah. And, and flavor-wise, it meshes with the that big brute that's hiding the underhanded side of him or herself. Right. Because uh, a lot of the assassin stuff, um, when you when you first read it, I think I know my initial thing was it's like you have this sneaking through the shadows and leaping out and stabbing someone, and disappearing, and it's actually more about infiltration. I mean, isn't thief more about infiltration? Thief? Uh, oh, you mean you mean infiltration of like more than infiltrating a house? You're yeah, saying like infiltrate. yeah, you want to go assassinate someone, so you impersonate someone else to get close to them, right? Like a bodyguard. Yeah, you're oh, a big dude. dude. There you go. Actually, yeah, that's a really cool play where, so you, you have that, that thing we've been talking about, the brute who was the roguish whatever, and lives life as an assassin, and his whole thing to do is get hired on as a bodyguard. That really only works once or twice. You think? I mean, it's not like they have the internet. The criminal underworld and, oh. especially does not spread rumors like that. It's no, like, that's... Oh, man, don't hire bodyguards that are huge and also kind of sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. I guess all bodyguards are supposed to be huge. They also don't have the internet, so it's like low uh, information transmission abilities. Right, and you can create an entire new identity for yourself and have a full fleshed out history, and they're not looking for that. Uh, regardless, Assassin is just like a universally great rogue archetype it's one of the few that came out of this book that were just like that is a perfect rogue you know what i like uh the level three ability assassinate uh that's just ridiculous it's really good but on top of that any creature that is surprised with this attack is a critical hit yep that mixed with brutal criticals is always going to be really nice i mean any chance that you can get a critical as a barbarian is just to the moon but this is really good really good combination there it's to the moon. 
to the moon. Like, yeah. no people use that anymore. They don't. Right. That's a pretty antiquated phrase. Jared, the thirty-year-old boomer, coming in with the uh, coming with the old stuff, the good stuff. I'm keeping it. The D and D advanced edition stuff. <laughs> so, I I guess you got me here, Kevin. I'm a little bit shocked, but they do work out pretty well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I don't know if we said in here so far, they're only needing a 13 in strength and a 13 in dex. Dex is of course going to be at least 13 and strength. There's no reason not to throw it on there as well. Uh, I guess the only thing you're missing out is you're getting an extra attack, but you only have one chance at a sneak attack. Um, It also have to follow all those other rules of having a companion within five feet, uh, which can honestly cause a problem in barbarian world because you're always charging in first for the most part or that well that's where reckless attack comes in give yourself advantage exactly right right swashbuckler or swashbuckler you know we're not going with the assassin which we don't have to swashbuckler also works right then you're but that one's weird because it doesn't you have to be isolated it's just you and one other creature and with a incredibly mobile barbarian you can make that happen right or you can you can shove them five feet oh, and then God. move up get out of here. <laughs> and get that sneak attack. You're probably better off just smashing him with a battle axe. We stop that immediately. But yeah, no, this is a, this is a class that could, I think this works mechanically very well. I think this works flavor wise, uh, in a very, very yeah. limited fashion. Right. Right. I think there's only a handful of ways you could justify being a rogue barbarian. And I think we did go over them. Any creativity you add is going to kind of, stretch thin either side of it it's like how do you become a barbarian uh i really like to lift and pick pockets i did or you get into that uh reformed rogue but instead of going to something that actually makes sense they get ingrained in a tribal life and that's it they're just barbarians from them yo (laughs) a masculinity cult (laughs) But, but that's again that's just feels like a stretch but i mean if you really want to do it, I mean, it's mm-hmm. an option. It just feels awkward. And uh, one of the things that I hate, uh, it, it's come up almost every single time now where the, the reformed idea, um, it really prevents you from going back and forth between your levels. You kind of just go, okay, I'm leaving that life behind and I'm locking in this new one. Uh, otherwise, I don't know. It just feels cheesy. And that's you're stretching that's the nature out. of multi-class though, is just like, how do you switch between these, especially on a narrative level? You just kind of, you got to fudge the truth, I guess, is the best way to put it. But in in this case, I think it makes sense if you're a, a barbarian going into the, the criminal underworld. I mean, it's just a matter, I don't know, I mean, what is leveling up as a barbarian? You understand your anger more? Or, I mean, it's more of the subclasses that it makes any sense with. Uh, but beyond that, you just lifted more. You just keep on lifting. You get huge. <laughs> That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Or I like the idea of the mastermind barbarian multi-class, where with the masterline, mastermind, they are played like, you know, the leader of a thieves guild or something along those lines. And they're, they're, they're always the ones that are in control of the situation because that's how the whole subclass is built. Um, they're manipulative, they're smart, they're charismatic. But if they are pushed in the wrong way, they flip a switch and go berserk. Yeah, but what did you just say? They're intelligent. They're charismatic. Oh, those are our dump stats. You can still play them like that. Most criminals are going to dump int and charisma. So if you hit a 10 on either of those, you're in like the top 90%. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're kind of going for like a kingpin type style of character. Yeah. Like a huge, scary, brute looking man. But also got some... Uh, some thinking going up in that noggin. Yeah. Okay, so I'm expecting that to be, I guess, intimidation-based more than anything. But if you want, like, Maybe. mastermind, that's telling me, like, schemes. So that's mm-hmm. making me think intelligence, which I, I just don't see that being higher than 10. It's I guess that goes to something we could probably have a discussion on right now. Should you play your character that strongly to the attributes? Yes. I say no. Then it completely ruins I the I say... Point. It's a little bit. Of, it's a little bit of both. Will finding the middle ground. 
That never happens. This is new. This is. New. I like to be uh, moderate whenever I get to degree with disagree with everybody at the table. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, I get what you're saying where it can go both ways. Uh, you didn't make any points. You just said, I disagree, and it's in the middle. But the only times is if it's like, in these one small circumstances, this person can shine. But if you're saying, oh, they're average or below average int, but they're a criminal mastermind. Well, like, well no, they're not a criminal mastermind. What they are is a criminal leader of sorts. You're looking at, we're not talking about an academic circle where they're rocking eight in. We're talking about a bunch of thugs and uh, just bastards running around town. And you're like, you know what? I've got, I've got bigger thoughts. I may not be able to do math fast or remember my birthday, but I've got ideas. I've got ideas about where we should go as a gang. Okay, but then they're also, so that's, that actually kind of goes against intelligence, and you're talking more charisma to be yeah. able to lead them. So now we're saying everything is at least average. Well, it's going to be, you're going to have to, as an adventure, you're always going to roll a little average compared to the general population you're around. But that's what skills are. They start off at basic person, right? Ten, yes. Ten is supposed to be an average person. So if you're saying you are a criminal leader and I'm about as charismatic as any other person you'd find. All right, Seriously? so let's say that, but I'm also uh, 350 pounds of solid muscle and I do have ambition. That's That replaces charisma in its own way, but it doesn't replace it in any kind of situation where you'd need charisma. It's like, oh, I'm going to smash your tiny pickpocket skull if you don't help me establish this gang. But when you're trying to convince a noble, hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't import all these gray renders. <laughs> it's like, you're not going to be able to do it because you're in a different environment. But your starting environment, you could still play it off that way. I think that's a stretch, personally. Okay, so that's that's all fine and dandy. But now we're talking about uh, maintaining your stats and role-playing to your stats uh, when you're outside of your comfort zone so when you're in your comfort zone sure you can be a little bit more charismatic than you are uh on your sheet or a little bit more intelligent compared to your surrounding but that doesn't mean that you should be role-playing in general as an intelligent or as a charismatic person i mean you can't be more strong just because you think that it fits better with your character i'll give it to you i'll say this but when you leave your uh your role-playing source so to speak you join the adventuring world and it all kind of goes out the window. I was an X. And like when you were an X, your stats didn't really count. You were established that way. As soon as you join the adventuring world, it kind of all went out the window and you do have to return to your comfort zone. You are no longer as important as you once were. You're now outside your wherever you grew up. You don't have your friends out and you got to go troll dungeons. So that's the kind of exception. It's only for backstory. It's not your current character. You're not the criminal mastermind anymore. You're the adventurer who cracks skulls. Okay, I can get down with that. So, I mean, that's more or less saying in your day-to-day -day adventuring life, you're going to be very uncharismatic, unintelligent, whatever it is. Those are just the two we've used as an example. Uh, but if for some reason you had a plot reason to go back home, everybody's looking up to you as if, like, you're the smartest guy around. You're the funniest guy around, whatever it is. I, I could see that working. Mm -hmm. Or in this particular case, you could just take the hit to some other stats and boost charisma and or intelligence. Like, right. It's actually <clears throat> not mechanically, combat-wise, optimal, but so what? If that's the character you want to play. Yeah, yeah, of course there's always that option, but you're still just going to get everything to about average, and you're right back where we started with this. Well, kind of. So Above if you average. Take like a half orc, which I'm sure gives you what two strength and one constitution, I think. So you, fourteen in strength bumps you up to sixteen. Um, you you guys do. So if you're willing to for con to not be that high, you can do eleven constitution bumps you up to twelve. Um, you get your thirteen dex, or probably put it at fourteen dex. There, there's still room to get intelligence and charisma. Up there a bit. Or you could just say, screw it, all right, I'm, I'm dumping Khan. Constitution is going to be an 8, which is always a scary character, but for that cr manipulative criminal, criminal mastermind who's kind of a, like, don't piss this person off because they're going to go berserk. You could probably kill them, and then everyone's just going to kill you. How do like you... a glass cannon. Yeah, how do you relate Constitution to ambition? 
I've always tied those two stats in my head together. Because, Are you serious? Wait, yeah. Yeah. Like the, like your personal, like no will to, that's to move not, on. No, it's, it's your ability to like not die. <laughs> and it's just, it. it's just, it's a physical stat. It's like your ability to eat spicy food, get way too drunk and get hit in the kidneys and not go down. <laughs> just keep on moving. It's, okay. That's it. It's your will to not pass out. Okay. So charisma is where you tie any other well, type of. And, just and mental should, fortitude besides wisdom and intelligence. I guess not really. You know, you're, I mean, anything me, besides let, that, any statistics, yes. Let me give you an analogy where strength is to intelligence, kind of mental stat, your mental intelligence, then constitution would be charisma. No. They kind of can switch off. No? Constitution's always put to wisdom. Really? Wisdom is your like, ability to resist being like, hey, you should stab yourself in the eyeball. Like, <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. Okay. Constitution, I don't want to shit my pants. <laughs> that it's, it's identical like that. Okay. Dexterity and charisma have always gone hand in hand. How? Maybe they're just not That's the equivalent. It's, I, I it's think we're mental to... versus physical agility in a way. I, I think we're trying okay. to draw equivalents where there may not be any. I see where he's going with this, though. Let's ride it. So <laughs> you're saying that, like, your ability to weave yourself through social conversations and situations like that is also your ability or is in line with your ability to dodge out of physical things. Weave I, through physical things. I, Again, these yeah, are these are really tough yeah, analogies to make. Or they're the soft book. relations, right? By right. the book, charisma is force of personality. That's it. It's not like being manipulative and knowing how to like say the right thing over here and do a little tug over here and get all this stuff to happen. It's when you walk into the room and speak, how likely people are going to listen to you. And they may have a really negative reaction. They may not like you. You could be extremely unlikable, but very charismatic. Will. I'm Everybody a perfect example. Will, half of good. people hate me. The other half love me. And the other half just don't want to even think about it. Perfect split. But I will say this. Charisma is a precision art where intelligence isn't. Because you walk into that room and you precisely give out these social kind of cues and these social forces of personality. There is a precision to it. That's similar to dexterity. Dexterity is hitting your target. Charisma's hitting your target. Intelligence and strength have always got that kind of mm-hmm. brute, raw strength, whether it be mental or physical. So I will okay. say that there is a soft relation between these things that is completely meaningless. Totally. <laughs> 100% autism. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. No matter at all. Okay. All right, so anything left on rogues and barbarians? Uh, I've said think, my piece. Yeah. Oh, a minor thing. So we had all these big discussions and all that, and then going back to a little mechanical minor advantage. Um, with barbarians, one of their cons of the class is they don't do much out of combat. All of their stuff is combat-related. So out of combat, they're just kind of... Yeah, they don't have much Me utility. strong, me hit yeah. stuff. Yeah, they don't have much utility. Uh, but even just one level dip into Rogue gets you expertise, which allows you to double your proficiency bonus for certain skills. And if you keep going, you're going to get... So you're kind of mixing with a skill monkey. Right. Yeah, that definitely... So boosts that side of the Barbarian. Yeah, and it definitely improves that uh, that intimidation, as long as uh, you're trying to make some brute force intimidations. Because those aren't always going to be charisma intimidation is one that really switches back and forth a lot because the dude standing with a battle axe looking to crack your skull in or slash your skull in doesn't matter uh he's not doing it because look how intimidating his personality is it's because he's got huge muscles Mm -hmm. uh so that's definitely useful for the the crime boss scenario definitely yeah i like it cool yeah, that's that's it. I say let's uh, move on to our monster of the week, presented by Kevin Odie. Again, Jared didn't do his homework. Jared did mixed homework. Time for the yak lol. Let's Please. hear it, Kevin. What do you got? Yak lol. 
So th this is a demon. I'm probably saying it wrong. Uh, challenge rating 10. So th this isn't necessarily like a campaign builder, like the star spawn from last week or anything like that. Um, but I thought it was a really cool monster. Uh, it's from within the abyss. They follow the demon lord of Loth, which is the drow um, god, goddess, basically. And a lot of drow actually have the ability to bring one of these things into existence from the abyss into the material plane. Um, the, in its raw form, it's this terrible tree slime monster. They, they describe it as a pillar of yellow slime. It looks like just like a deformed tree with an eye. It's uh, page 65 of the Monster Manual. But it has the ability to shape change at will into that of a female drow. And it could speak elvish and undercommon. And could, it's really, you can't tell what it is when it does that. So you have this really strong, powerful, terrible demon that's able to infiltrate areas. Um, you have no idea if you're talking to a, an actual drow or this terrible yokel old demon. Generally, if you're speaking to a drow, they're probably not going to be that friendly anyways. But I, I, there's a lot of infiltration you could do. And then when it comes to actual stats of this thing, um, its AC and hit points aren't anything crazy, but it is a spellcaster. It has magic resistance, the ability to spider, spider climb. Um, it, it could do dominate person, which is always kind of scary. And then its attacks, you have um, some decent attacks. Then you have this cool thing called Mistform. And, and its other attacks are just kind of standard melee stuff. But um, it could do a decent amount of poison damage. So it actually hits pretty hard for its level. And then Mist Form, where it could transform into a toxic toxic mist and could squeeze through a bunch of areas and get around and stuff like that. It's immune to anything except for magic damage, flying speed of 30 feet. And if it ends its turn in another creature's turn, which you can space, and which you can do in Mist Form, the creature needs to make a con save or become completely incapacitated while it's breathing in this mist. Uh, for what it's worth, small correction there. It looks like if the other creature starts its turn there, not if the Yokolo ends its turn there. I, I know that's really small. Oh, okay. But if for some reason you enter it, you don't immediately get that. True. Um, that is extremely interesting, though. I can just see so much with uh, the infiltration. Yeah. I, I really like that concept. It's also terrifying. It is. It's really scary looking. It's a, for a gigantic deformed slime tree, it is remarkably well-rounded. It's the kind of thing that you could see being summoned and thrown at you. And it doesn't come right at you. It takes different forms. It sneaks around. It does all the things you wouldn't expect a slime tree to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'd almost be good in a dungeon to have it kind of following behind. And that'd be a, a good, like, constant reminder that there's something watching them uh especially with that giant eye that it has <laughs> it'd just be a quick thing like you know you turn around and see a big eye staring at you but when you notice it it dodges out um i like its web walker ability where it ignores movement restrictions caused by webbing that's always one of the biggest issues uh with casting anything like web or along those lines just because you're now stopped yourself and and ruining your movement speed and it doesn't have anything particularly crazy movement wise it's just 30 feet uh but it's nice to know that it can just rush right in there while you're all stickied up and mm -hmm. cause some problems yeah and then how this connects with the drow so as i mentioned earlier there are various drow creatures that have the ability to summon one of these so i hope so I, I am DMing out of the abyss for these two and two others, where there's a lot of drow in it. So I hope I'm not getting spoiling anything for these two, but I think it's worth talking about. You could have a lone drow, where it may seem like an easy fight. That of course we're we're just going to take the route of trying to attack and or capture this thing or this this person, this drow, or whatever. And then all of a sudden, here is another challenge rating ten demon. Out of nowhere. Just completely fucking them up. Yeah, and it also, I mean, its attacks and everything don't do a crazy amount of damage, except for that poison damage. Uh, if it hits while it's in spider form, that's an extra 66 poison damage. I think if it just hits. 
Yeah, just if it hits. There's no save or anything. It's just if it's in spider form, it does that additional. No, either one. Piercing in spider form. Damage is plus. about the bite. Yeah, so it makes two melee attacks. Um, so this thing could also have a spider form. If it's in its tree form, or I, I'm imagining drow form, that's a slam attack. If it's in the spider form, it's a bite attack. Right. They both do the same thing, but the bite attack is a spider's piercing damage, while the other thing is bludgeoning damage. Oh. And then regardless of which. It does it, that poison. Yes. Yep. Wow. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, And also just the fact that it's got resistance to basically everything mm-hmm. uh, except for the weird ones it doesn't have acid is acid damage yes it is okay that's what i thought thank you uh it doesn't have resistance to that which is actually a little bit surprising but cold fire lightning and then bludgeoning piercing slashing that's and then of course immunity to poison that definitely makes it a little bit more difficult to deal with um Unless you've got psychic damage. <laughs> mm-hmm. No one has psychic. No bards have psychic damage. Yeah. it's And even then they don't do much. Mm-hmm. Except for a couple things here and there. Uh, it's also got really good saves. Dex, Int, Wisdom, and Charisma. So. Dex, Int, Wisdom, and Charisma. That's four saving throws. Yeah. That's kind of ridiculous in its own way. Yep. Yeah, plus six, five, six, and six. Right, Crazy dark vision, three languages, deception plus ten. Yeah, because a is, drow female is not necessarily always going to be something you treat as innately hostile. It's like eight times out of ten, yeah, you're probably going to be at least pretty combat wary of it, but you're not going to be like, oh crap, a giant poisonous slime tree. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd yeah. be like, oh yeah, totally, I'm hurt and I'm ready to leave the drow and be your friend. They're like, no, you're a giant slime tree, but I didn't know that because you deceived me. <laughs> yeah. So that's really cool. I hope you don't pull that out on us anytime soon. Yeah, that would be terrible. I would hate that. <laughs> the level you guys are would just kill you. It'd be pretty friggin' close. Yeah. Level four? It'd be pretty friggin' close. At least it's right. not resistant to like radiant and necrotic. At least Darendil's immune to that. Yeah. <laughs> all right we, we will do a unofficial fight with your out of the abyss party against this thing just like in an open room we, and we'll see we'll see how close it is we can do the uh yeah we can do a dream combat sequence there we go <laughs> they're like the uh classic doom levels in doom you just like step out of the real world and just do something different hey you want uh some some more meaningfulness behind that uh, you make it so that if you lose, like, a, a TPK in the dream, you gain a level of madness. Ooh. <laughs> it is Spooktober. It is? So, Kevin, you gotta bring that spooky. And out of the abyss, oh, we can bring the spook. I bet <laughs> fucking terrified, my friend. By Yaklal dreams. Yeah. Now, actually, I... out of the abyss could get really over the top and grotesque. Like it's there. There is some stuff coming that's heavy. It's from written or from bit of both. It's half how, of it's Kevin's weird, disgusting imagination. <laughs> it's how it's written really lends itself to it. Some of it actually just as written is yeah. really terrible. Is it even so far? Like it's just been creepy a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't want to give any spoilers, but just some of the things we've dealt with. Just leave that uneasy feeling. It, it really does a great job of making you feel like you're in an entirely different world. That's being overran by demons. That's being like overran the, by The Underdark is already kind of a scary, gross, kind of creepy place for surface dwellers like ourselves. Uh, but then, that, and I don't think this is giving anything away. In Out of the Abyss, demons are spilling into the Underdark. Yes. And demons are just terrible. Like, I read through that first chapter of Mordekainen's Tome of Foes. Yep. Which goes into devils versus demons in their war. and That book really peaks in the first chapter. Oh, <laughs> I didn't get to the others yet, really. It's, oh, I mean, it's, like it's, devils versus demons is very hard to follow up on. Yeah. yeah. But no, the demons are just just terrible. Like, yep. I, oh, my God. Well, it really reminds me of the Doom game, though. Uh, games uh, where it's just these hideous terrifying creatures that just pop into an area and just begin 
destroying everything without purpose. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, and just their effect, their their presence warps the world to yeah. their likes. Yep. Which is very much you're now seeing in Out of the Abyss in the spooky, spooky Underdark. That could just be those weird little dark gnome things. But I think you mean the... The, the Darrow. The Darrow. They're yeah. just dark gnomes Darrow. One's Very an different. insane version with uh, beards. <laughs> yeah, pretty different. All right. So, any final thoughts on the Yugal Law? That's Eagle, not even close. Yoglo All. The Yoglomeo. Y-O-C-H-L-O-L. Is it the ch sound? Yachlol? Yachlol? What's that be it? Yolchmeo. Yolchlomeo. Yolchmanes. Yes. Yolchmanes. Yes. That's it. Yeah, any final thoughts? <laughs> He's cool. Yeah. He's like a slime tree and also a spider. Yeah. I, yeah, not in that specifically. I guess, I mean, if we want to discuss just demons as a whole a bit more, there's so many here. That sounds like a yeah, plenty we, of room. We will not get into any specifics. It just, I like demons coming forth in a campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking weird. That's cool stuff. <laughs> I like demons. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. You've been great. They didn't even participate. They didn't participate, but they raised our spirits. No one listens to this except the people you kind of know listening to it. Uh, Stop the recording. (laughs) (laughs) We have have thousands, thousands of listeners. Jesus Christ. Do the outro. What's the outro? Oh, yeah. Next time on Monsters and Multiclass. I don't know what monster was. Oh, fucking Christ. <laughs> Next time on Monsters and Multiclass. Next week, join us as we dive into the Barbarian Monk Multiclass, as well as look at a new monster of the week, the Oblek. Oblex. Oblex. <laughs>